You're listening to the Paul Prosize Podcast. And now Paul Prosize. Guys, thanks for dropping in. My name is Paul Prosize. I look forward to having this conversation with you today. We are going to be diving right in to one of the biggest hot topic issues of today. That is police reform. If you have any comments, let me know. You can find me on Twitter, Paul Prosize. You can also find me on Parlor. Paul Prosize. You can find me on this little thing called Locals. It's a really cool website. Dare you to check it out, paul.locals.com. You can find me on all these kind of places. Pretty much any social media platform, you can find me at Paul Prosize. I'm looking forward to talking about this issue because it's something that's near and dear to my heart. And I think that there's a lot of good information, a lot of good ideas out there. I think there's a lot of terrible ideas as well, of course. One of the big things that have been said is we need to defund the police. I think that's absurd, but we can talk about that more and more. If you defund the police, what do you get? What else do you get? You get no policing. Sure, there's some ideas of having these little kumbaya parties and people trained to come out and de-escalate. Actually, I think that's not a terrible idea, so let's employ that. But let's, how do we implement that into current police departments? These de-escalation units are proving more and more to be really useful in some, some of these departments. So, okay, but defund the police completely? How's that working out in Minneapolis? Your representatives there that did that are now charging you, your the taxpayers, for their private security at $10,000 a day. So what's good for them is not good for you. You are not allowed to have that private security because you can't afford that private security, but they are allowed to have it on your dime, no less. How's that working out for you? People on the right, if you say that all cops are not racist, I don't believe you're being being honest because there are some cops that are racist. There's people that are racist in this country still. And guess what? There's people that are racist in all countries. Some of the most racist individuals I've ever understood and come to come across in, in countries is like South Korea. They're incredibly nationalistic. Very, very into their, their race and being purely South Korean. Korean, Japanese, same way. There's racism all over the world. It doesn't matter where you are. I just believe that we are making a bigger deal out of it. If you look, I, I'm a huge soccer fan. I grew up in overseas, and so I, I played soccer, went to soccer. I've loved soccer forever. If you pay attention to anything, there's racism in there too. Black players get shouted horrible racist things from the stands. It's especially bad in, in like uh, Italy and some other places in Poland and some, some, you know, so there's racism. It's, it's dishonest to say that there isn't some racism in some of the police departments. Sure. Of course there is. But on the flip side, it would be dishonest to say that 
all whites are racist, that's dishonest. It's dishonest to say that black people can't be racist. 100% dishonest. Racism generally comes out of fear and misunderstanding. Or willful ignorance. Or willful hate. I don't really understand racism. Like I said in the first podcast, I grew up in in the military. I, I grew up around all races. I, I didn't experience a single thing of racism until I was in high school. I heard it in the locker room when I was called a cracker. <laughs> Hate to break it to you folks. That was racist. I didn't understand. I didn't, I didn't really know it was some new kid that came in. Didn't like that. I was better out of him at a position called me a cracker. My close friends started fighting the guy. Cause I honestly, it kind of shocked me and I stood back I'm like, what the heck just happened? They started fighting them. And it was all the friends of different colors. They kind of put him in his place and his locker rooms. They kind of figure out those issues. No, co no coaches had to be involved. That was just something we sorted out. You know, that's how locker rooms work a lot of times. Sorted it out, worked it out. He and I ended up playing well together. He was mad that I was taking his right guard position. I ended up playing center the whole year. So it worked out in the end. His... His preconceived notions of what a white person was because he came from the South and only was around people that may have been terrible to him. I wasn't that way. I was taught to respect everybody. Frankly, if I didn't respect people, my mom would beat the crap out of me. So we respected people, especially in public. So we're talking about this, this police reform and we have to have an, that honest conversation. So let's set out that base that 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 is dishonest to say everything's racist. The number of people shot by police, if you listen to the media, they're all black. Basically, everybody that got shot by are by are are black. <laughs> That's an over exaggeration on my part, but to say that the majority of people that are shot by, by police are black is flat wrong. Just 100% wrong. The majority of police officers or people that are shot by police are white, statistically. But you would not know that if you go to mapping police violence, which many of the mainstream media uses as their reference point. When you hear 28% black people have been 28% of those killed by police since 2013, despite only being 13% of the population. It's the dishonest representation of the data. They get away with that because what they do, and I've downloaded their Excel spreadsheet. You can download it too. Just go there. You start running the numbers, and I ran the numbers, and I looked at this, and I'm like, wait a second. This doesn't make sense. How do they get to that 28%? You know how they do it? They, they block in the unknowns, the unknown race, and make them. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, folks. And then when you look at their Excel spreadsheet, they're actually, their numbers are not even close to 28%. 
their own numbers are far lower than that. Far, far, far lower. The last number I saw was this year was nine black men were killed by police officers and armed or and I can't remember what the stat was. Nine. It just goes against the narrative that hundreds <laughs> are just being killed indiscriminately by police department, police people, police police officers. Could you imagine if we had better reform though? It could be zero. I don't think any number can ever be zero, to be honest. It's in the same vein of people saying that we're going to get rid of all police violence are also the people that say we can get rid of hunger. <laughs> no, you can't. That's absurd. It's a nice thought. It's a nice idea. I would love that idea of ending hunger. But it's never going to happen because there's going to be people that refuse help or put them and their families in bad situations. Same with the ending homelessness. I worked in the homelessness industry for a while. <laughs> it's a weird thing to say, homelessness industry. But I worked in that that world. You can't end homelessness. It's not possible. It's just not. You can make it a chronic situation, maybe. Maybe. Churches have got to start getting involved in that kind of stuff. I don't say that as a spiritual conversation. I'm just saying churches have the the power, the influence in the communities that they can actually help that be a major thing. But police for reform can absolutely be done. There's a lot of things that we can do better. As a young police officer, I went to Kansas Law Enforcement Training Center when I was 21 years old. At 21, I honestly was not mature enough. I know this now. I didn't know this then. So just something I always wanted to do. At 21, I went to Kansas Law Enforcement Training Office or the Training Center, and I had to put in 40 hours a week for 10 weeks, 400 hours. That's what it took to become a, a cop in Kansas. <laughs> Can you imagine? Looking at your options saying, man, do I want to be a police officer or a hairdresser? A uh, hairdresser is thousands of hours. Police officer, 400 hours. Yeah, I'll be a cop. <laughs> Can you imagine? Guys, what are we doing? How much better of a police officer could I have been if I was taught how to deal with situations, deal with families, deal with issues. How much better could I have been? Could any one of those police officers been if we were taught better? It's an interesting thought. Imagine if we had spent 10 to 20% of our time training and learning instead of being out there on the street rotated things in and out. Now it may not have been possible because of financing and all that kind of stuff. Guys, you know what's crazy is I was making $11 and 50 cents an hour in 20, 
twenty or two thousand one, when I became a cop. Two thousand one. Eleven dollars and fifty cents an hour. But you expect perfection from a kid making eleven dollars and fifty cents an hour. You want to pay the guy flipping the burgers more money than you want to pay the cop? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you wonder why there's animosity in the, in the public. I think it's a crime that I was ever paid that little. It's ridiculous. By the time I left, I was making $15 an hour because they saw a great in, grave injustice. The city decided that they weren't paying their people enough, so they gave us a, a bonus. <laughs> so I went from eleven fifty to $15 an hour. I was rolling in the dough, right? Oh, my gosh. Supposed to support a family on that and risk your life every day? How do you think the attitudes of people making that little amount of money expected to put all their li their lives on the line and be perfect every single time they put on that uniform. How do you think that mindset goes? Now that's not the norm for every place, but I can tell you a lot of small departments fight that. Do we have them have better equipment, better everything, but pay them less? It's tough. It's tough decisions, honestly. When we talk about police reform, we're not considering all of those things. We're not considering all of the gas that has to be paid for, all of the all of the maintenance that goes into the vehicles. We're not considering the electricity. We're not considering any of this stuff. We're just saying men in black bad. They're all racists. Defund them. It's a quick easy political jab it's a quick a quick easy win so you can virtue signal or raise your money it rings true to me it feels like the ice bucket challenge pretty absurd to me i, I think Are you ice bucket challenging this this issue? <laughs> Are you calling out your friends on Facebook to feel much better, but you don't really have any way of reforming things? Are you talking to your local pot politicians to help fix things? I don't believe you are. I don't believe most people are. They're clacking away on their keyboards, sure. You know, I'm not doing it, honestly, because eh, whatever. That's the attitude, right? <laughs> Now, I know the people. I know the local politicians. So I know where they stand. So I'm not so worried about things as far, far as my perspective. So I, I pay attention to what they say. If I had an issue, though, I would go out and, and have a chat with them. I do care that there is this knee-jerk reaction going on nationwide and just defund the police or reform or whatever. And these bills are being crammed down our throats right away without considering the long-term consequences, without hearing all of the police chiefs and sheriff's offices and sheriffs and all that stuff. Here in Colorado, a bill was quickly ran through. They refused to hear all sides because of COVID, of course. Mics were cut off or just people weren't even allowed to testify. 
pretty groundbreaking to me. The flippant response from one of the um, Democrat representatives, Leslie Herod, if officers are rethinking their career because of this law, because of law of integrity and accountability, then they shouldn't be in the profession as a police officer. Their duty is to serve and to protect, not to kill. It's very important that law enforcement think before they act. Nah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, they need, do need to think before they act. But can we, we can we be training them better? But let's no let, let's not do that. Let's do some virtue signaling. Let's let's bar chokeholds. By the way, chokeholds can and do play a good role in subduing an individual that's combative. It's a possibility that it has to happen. But you've just outlawed, banned them a hundred percent. There are circumstances where you may be fighting for your life, where that might be the course that you need to take. Because a chokehold can temporarily render somebody unconscious or whatever so you can subdue them. It There is a need for that potential. Training in that needs to happen as well. Just as you do your your Firearm, just as you do your taser, you need to have training in all of those things. Self-defense training is a must. We need to have more of that. There's so many, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fat guy, right? Call myself a fat idiot, jokingly. But there are so many overweight and out of shape police officers out there that are expected to run down people, whatever. <laughs> How are we doing that? Why, why are we doing that to ourselves and to our 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 populations allowing massively out of shape police officers. I don't think it's a good thing. I don't think it's a good thing that there's only, um, you know, post trained people. They only go to post once they're out. They may do some ongoing trainings and certifications, but there's not true major training for the most part. If you get to the get to be specialized in a particular field in policing, then you get to go do more training in that particular field. But imagine if there was 10% of your time or 20% of your time spent learning on how to be a better police officer and how to de-escalate situations. Wouldn't that be so much better? Wouldn't that be the way to go? What are we doing, folks? In this building here in Colorado, overhauling the use of force, that, sure, that might need to happen. But what specifics? They didn't really label out a lot of stuff. That's the problem with bills. When you're not specific, non-specifics happen. Unintended consequences happen. They're expanding the use of body cams, requiring it. They didn't. They took out the the ability to not put it on at one hundred percent of the time. So when you're going to the bathroom and all that kind of stuff, there was actually a provision in there. They took it out and they they crossed it out. But they wanted it on one hundred percent of the time if you were on duty. Well, that's just gross. Shame on them for even thinking that. That was okay. Thankfully, there was some level headish people that said, you know what, we can't do that. If they're on the phone 
if you're on the phone with your wife or whatever, you're having an argument, that that is no business of anybody. There does need to be some level of expectation of privacy. <laughs> this bill or this um, article that I'm reading about this is this won't formally take effect for months or even years. No, it won't take uh, take effect for three years. They kick the can down the road. But policing in Colorado is already changing. This legislation does allow for you to sue if you feel you're a victim of police violence to sue under the state law. There is a, a, a concern there, though. Because if you are constantly, you, can, you guys can hear my dog in the background. If pe people can just randomly say, this guy was committing violence, I'm going to sue them. And now all of a sudden, they're personally liable for that money. For doing their job, a public, public service, all of a sudden they are personally liable. <clears throat> I think it's up to $25,000 out of their pocket, which is a lot of money, and then the department's held to a certain amount. Who carries that bill for that insurance to pay for that money? Because no officers are going to have that kind of money just sitting in a, in, a, in a checking account waiting to be sued. There's things, of course, that can be mitigated, reduce that. It would have been amazing if I had, as a young police officer, those skills to deal with combative individuals. How, how could I have looked at people that were trying to commit suicide in front of me and talked them down? Sure, it's nice to have those people that are specially trained in those, but a lot of departments don't can't afford that. But bigger departments that have that, yeah, how amazing is that that you can call somebody that has specialized in that? But wouldn't it be even better if the majority, if not all, of police officers were trained in that de-escalation? I think so. I believe so. I think that this is a, a possibility to... to change policing and, and do great reforms and things and still maintain the integrity of the police. One of the other narratives that we're hearing, which is completely false, is that the police policing started here in America because of slavery. Okay, first of all, that is 100% a lie. It's just a lie. Policing, frankly, started in its various forms <laughs> even before that. There were sheriffs and patrols before we even came to America, before America was even colonized. There's all kinds of, and it's all just, it's semantics and where, where people are getting away with this, these wordings. It's flat out false, these things that people are saying. As formalized law enforcement what they point to are some slave patrols that happen. Sure. Yeah, those are those. Yep, I get that. That's terrible. They went out and, and patrolled and made sure that police or that the that slaves that would run away could be returned back or whatever. Horrible things happened. Yep. We can talk about those things. But don't be dishonest and say that that was the origin of policing in America. You have to look at history. 
even prior to that, there were formalized police departments in like Boston and other places around this country. So don't be dishonest in saying that evolved out of slavery. Policing was used to police slaves. So don't be dishonest and say that never happened. The narrative gets muddied because we selectively choose what data we use, right? Or we selectively use what echo chamber is regurgitating whatever BS. And we've got to do better. We've got to start doing better. That's really what I'm trying to do on this podcast is, is try to have a fair and balanced conversation. If you want to be a part of that conversation, please let me know. Find me on Twitter at Paul Precise, like I said. I'm looking forward to more debates like this, more discussions like this. This really wasn't a debate. debate. This is more one-sided thing. And we can look, as we go on, look more and more into these nuances. I think there's a lot of things that need to be done better. We need to look at civil asset forfeiture. We need to look at the militarization of local police departments. I get that we, I agree that we need to have better equipment as police officers. I do think that there is some concern too, that why does a police department need a tank? (laughs) Those kind of things. Like I want to have those kind of discussions and, and try to understand where that need is. Do cops because things are becoming harder to deal with on the streets? I don't know. Personally, no, I don't see it. After 9-11 happened, we had the Patriot Act come through. FISA warrants have been misappropriated. against American citizens. And it's crazy to me that our police departments and other, you know, local federal agencies can use these things. And oftentimes without due process, almost always. (laughs) Can they be good tools to stop X, Y, and Z? Maybe. But are we giving away more and more authority to the police and the police state, if you will. I'm not a big conspiracy theory and all that. I don't buy into all this stuff. There's a lot of talk about the deep state. I don't know. I don't know. Try not to buy into all of that stuff. I just try to deal with what I can see. But I do know that there's a lot of things that can be reformed. We can be doing better. We can hold our people, our public officials accountable And we don't need the backlash from the right every time something happens. But I can tell you, I I care. I every day I have a bracelet on my hand, on my wrist. Blue Lives Matter wrist, you know, thin blue line. It it reminds me of a friend that I lost in the line of duty, a good mentor friend of mine named Alex, Alex Johnson. Policing is near and dear to my heart. I loved it when I was in it. Wasn't in it very long. But I do think there's things that could be done better. 
Imagine if Alex, even though he'd been doing policing for two, 20 years, he was in the Army for 20 years prior to that, he was about ready to retire. Imagine if he had just a little bit better training, a little bit less complacent, never would have been shot in that domestic situation. There's a lot of things that can be done better. I 100% agree with that. I 100% agree that we can't defund the police and just be ridiculous and set shouting people down to advance our agenda, to make corporations scared so they give you money or put a, a black square on their thing. I don't think that that's the way to go. But we can start having better conversations and honest conversations with each other, can't we? What are you doing? How, how are you making a difference? I started this podcast to hopefully make a difference. I was silent for a very long time. But I think that we can start doing better collectively. As individuals, we can collectively do better. <laughs> find me at Paul Procise on Twitter. You can find me everywhere. Basically at Paul Procise. Paul.locals.com. Looking forward to having more conversations with you in the future. You guys have a great day.